Oh, hey guys. Uh, it's the Robert Scott Bell Show, Sacred Fire of Liberty edition with Jonathan E. Mord, as we do each and every week at this time. And very excited to cover a lot of great, great, uh, let's say, uh, news stories that are insightful in recognizing who or who is not in alignment with uh, with liberty, no matter what they claim to be part of in terms of party politics as such. We'll get beyond and above that and go deeper than that as well. Uh, this is the no uh, microphone edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. Apparently my uh, 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 mixing board won't turn on. So Superdog's going to modulate the audio. You let us know if it sounds okay as a backup plan. And uh, we'll uh, crank it up for health, freedom, and healing liberty. Some of you are curious as to uh, uh, what RFK Jr. said about health health freedom issues. They had a big, uh, um, I guess, a, a panel discussion with some of our friends asking them questions. We'll go through that as well. Uh, you know where I stand. You know where Jonathan Emort stands. We'll talk about those in alignment with our freedom uh, stance on that in that regard as well. So uh, robertscabell.com slash listen. Show notes are there. Link up. We'll see you in the chat room momentarily. Let's get this healing party started right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, we got a lot to do today, as we always do, it seems. Uh, never a shortage of things to discuss on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Just a uh, heads up, my uh, microphone, uh, which is working, but not working. It, the microphone's fine. It's the interface called a... Uh, a mixing board won't turn on <laughs> so super don's modulating me through uh a, i guess a built-in microphone which i'm not used to doing so hopefully y'all can hear me uh we'll have jonathan Nemore joining us momentarily as well in that regard we've got some video clips to play i uh, i know i was interested in and i know many of you are as to uh bobby kennedy's views on on some health uh health care questions is he a socialist in health care is he a freedom guy that's a good question also, uh, interesting on the Republican side, uh, running for president, you've heard a little bit about Ron DeSantis. He was kind of, hadn't heard from a while and then suddenly came up and I thought, is that Ron or Don? Wait, Ron or Ron? Ron, oh, a different Ron. Ron Paul? Is he is he channeling Ron Paul? We're going to hear about that as well. Uh, Super Don will let us know when we got that. We also, if you could see over my left shoulder, my buddy Phil Wilson has the relaxed saunas uh, and I uh, just wanted to let you know that that's what's available now. That's what I've been utilizing along with the other one, which we can't get anymore. So I want you to have access to the far infrared uh, that really will get you sweating and detoxifying all the, all the good reasons to do that. Uh, so that's linked up as well. You'll see that in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Let me just check in with my good friend, Jonathan E. Moore on the campaign trail back in the home studio, home office. Jonathan? Robert. Hey, you can hear me. I can. I can hear you well, Robert. Uh, in the beginning of the show, though, you were uh, your mouth was moving, but no sound was coming out. And then suddenly the sound caught up and somehow the sound and your mouth are now merged together. Isn't that nice? Well, yeah, that's the unknown with uh, uh, not having my normal setup today. So thanks for bearing with me on that. Uh, I've worn my 1776 Forever Free t-shirt, uh, one of my favorites. We're heading into the uh, you know Independence Day holiday week. And it's my favorite holiday, although it's also a holiday where I lament that most Americans don't recognize and realize the historical significance of it. They take freedom for granted. And that's why we are on the precipice of losing 
uh, a lot of freedoms, some of which we've lost already. That's part of our discussion for many years together, Jonathan, in the health and health freedom front. Uh, but as as health freedom goes, so goes all of our freedoms, in fact. And uh, that's a big part as, as, as well as your communication to your uh, audience in Virginia, much less around the world that support you or, or will learn to support you to become the next U.S. Senator in Virginia, from Virginia. Yes, Robert, health freedom is indispensable to freedom. We can't have uh, control over our lives if we don't have control over our bodies. And the whole idea that we can enslave ourselves to the state by enabling the government to dictate that we be vaccinated or that we follow one treatment regimen over another is precisely anathema to individual liberty. And so we have to fight against it. Yeah, well, that's uh, something that, you know, I don't like to hyphenate freedom, but I recognize as I've talked and you've talked so many years, like with our friends like Julie at the Health Freedom Expo and her dad that really expanded uh, something that some folks earlier in the 20th century, long before we were even alive, I think about some of those people we've gotten to meet over the years, recognized that even as many Americans embraced liberty back through the early 20th and mid 20th century, that there were certain segments of our population that were being targeted for elimination in terms of their freedom to express uh, what they knew regarding health, natural health, natural healing. And we've seen the diminishment of our freedoms in that realm accelerate tremendously over the COVID crisis Mm -hmm. to where it's an acknowledged recognition by most with any critical thinking skills left at all that the pharmaceutical industrial complex has basically taken over or controls our government through the various regulatory agencies. And one of your key planks is to roll back the regulatory state, eliminate it if at all possible. And by doing uh, well, educating, communicating, using the bully pulpit of the of the the seat that you would gain by kicking out uh, Tim Kaine. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, the whole administrative state really is unconstitutional. And the reason for that is that it's called the non-delegation doctrine. And uh, John Locke explained well in the second treatise on government, this concept of non-delegation, that when you, when you have a... Uh, a constitution that is adopted by the people and allocates power to specific repositories of power, that is a uh, agreement with the public. That's a social compact, and it may not be broken by government re-delegating the power to other institutions. And in fact, that's reflected in the way in which our constitution is written. We have vesting clauses in the constitution in Article 1, 2, and 3, uh, the, for example, in Article 1, Section 1, the, the legislative power is exclusively vested in Congress. So when the Congress of the United States in the progressive era in the late 1880s forward on, in the federal government uh, delegated away legislative, executive, and judicial powers or any two of those to independent regulatory agencies so that they could be the creators of law, that violated the Constitution. But then when you look at it also, it violated the separation of powers doctrine, uh, and it also uh, caused what we have today, which is three-quarters of all federal laws, not the product of those we elect, but the product of the unelected heads of the regulatory agencies. And that means that a system that was designed to ensure that you had representation, indeed, 
founding fathers found most offensive about taxation from the uh, crown, that it was taxation without representation. Here you have regulation without representation. You have lawmaking without representation being the common thing on the federal level. So we have a bureaucratic oligarchy, not a constitutional republic as the founding fathers wanted. And the only way we can restore that constitutional uh, republic and our sovereignty, because our sovereignty is violated when the Constitution is violated and when power is amassed by those who are unaccountable to the courts, the Congress, and the American people, and that's the administrative state, then we have to return to the constitutional mooring. So, what, you know, I, I wrote a bill for Ron Paul called the Congressional Responsibility and Accountability Act that would achieve that by preventing regulations from being adopted by agencies, instead making them mere proposals to Congress so that Congress would have to adopt them, and thereby you are assured that if you don't like what Congress does, you vote them out, and you have a check on this growth of government, and you have true representation through your congressmen and not, of course, you don't have any of that representation with those who are the heads of these bureaucratic agencies. So anyway, a, lo a long explanation for what really is a res restoration of the Constitution, and I'll reintroduce that bill in the Senate. Um, but this is, this is a clear divide with me and Tim Kaine. Of course, Kaine is a major advocate of the regulatory state. He favors multi-trillion dollar bills to invest the regulatory state with the power to portion apportion those resources and uh, assign uh, government actors power to take away your liberties. So this is how the whole climate change agenda is operating. It is a government planned economy to replace a free enterprise economy in energy with a government planned economy run by bureaucrats. Uh, he's all for that. He's all for taking away your freedom to be free actors in the marketplace He's 100% behind the whole ESG agenda, uh, absolutely has no problem whatsoever with a central bank digital currency, which would invade your privacy, enable the government to know every single move you make, and then affect your ability to function in the market by cutting off resources to you, access to money, and even in your own bank account, if you were to expend them on functions that the government thinks promotes an agenda they're opposed to. So if you wanted to invest in General Motors, let's say, they might object to that because it doesn't fit with their ESG agenda. Or if you wanted to support political candidates who are conservative or, or causes that were conservative, that might red flag you uh, on government uh, bureaucratic watch lists and characterize you as a person who should be discriminated against. So we have a huge problem. It's emerging. It's comparable to what is happening in communist China. It is a sign of authoritarianism, and it is a major loss in freedom if we don't act now to protect ourselves against it. Yeah. Thanks, honey. I got tea delivery. Is that most awesome? Yes, particularly when your voice is disassociated with your mouth. Tea might fix that. Yes, it would. It would be great to have some tea. Thank you, honey. Uh, my honey, I'm talking not not to Jonathan when I say honey. Oh, honey, call me honey. Uh, we've known each other for so many years. It's probably <laughs> it's probably all right. Your your wife wouldn't even blink an eye. Yeah, that's just the the boys being silly. Uh, 
look, I, I've got to talk about the presidential race. We can't ignore it. You know, we do talk presidential politics from time to time here, you and I, about, you know, we're we're biased for freedom. We're biased for the Constitution. That's how we litmus this. If somebody is a D or an R, we can make assumptions about basic things, but still, we want to dig down and drill down into each individual and what they say, what they do, what's their track record. Haven't heard much from Ron DeSantis lately. Uh, been more Trump and uh, Bobby Kennedy on the Democrat side. Interesting news. Uh, but we do have a, a video clip of Ron DeSantis, I think, channeling a bit of Ron Paul here, which I was surprised to to hear. And uh, Super Dot, if you could play that clip, that'd be great. Are you in favor of, of eliminating any agencies? I know conservatives in the past have talked about closing the Department of Education. Would you do that? So we would do education, we would do commerce, we do energy, and we would do IRS. And so if Congress will work with me on doing that, we'll be able to reduce uh, the size and scope of government. But what I'm also going to do, Martha, is be prepared. If Congress won't go that far, I'm going to use those agencies to push back against woke ideology and against the leftism that we see creeping into all institutions. Is that a second best scenario? Because, I mean, he's realistic when he says, Probably Congress is not going to cooperate fully with me if I'm really serious about eliminating departments, whole departments. Could you use the agencies in the way he's describing it? Well, you know, I'm 100 percent for eliminating the Department of Education, the Department of Commerce, the Department of Energy, uh, the uh, Federal Trade Commission, the deregulating the Federal Communications Commission so that private ownership of the airwaves is possible. Uh I'm for privatizing wherever possible and eliminating government functions wherever possible. I'm also for elimination of the IRS. We can do that if we have a flat tax. There's no reason why we can't do that. Um, and uh, I think that it really depends on the composition of the Senate and the House. But I believe that that is all achievable. And I think these are things that have to be done because we cannot survive a $33 trillion national debt. We have to take dramatic steps to reduce the costs of government and to liberate the private sector so that the private sector can grow. Something that he didn't mention is a substantial reduction in the EPA. You could virtually eliminate the EPA. Uh, the EPA is something that is costing private enterprise trillions and trillions of dollars annually, unnecessarily, huge restraints on the exercise of uh, freedom by companies, largely for ridiculous things. Uh, such as the regulatory wetlands policy that was the subject of recent litigation before the Supreme Court. Um, and, 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 you know, this kind of overreach is common with the EPA. And so what we need to get away from are prior restraints from the regulatory state in favor of direct action, such as what I've said in the environmental area, which is free market environmentalism. Rather than having a government-planned and regulated approach to the environment, why not uh, provide tax incentives or tax deductions to companies that substantially reduce pollution uh, in their own in their own way, in their own innovative ways, rather than dictated by the government. I mean, we can achieve a lot more by encouraging people to use their own money uh, for purposes such as that by reducing taxation than we could ever achieve by some bureaucrat egghead in Washington, D.C., who's never had any experience whatsoever in the particular industry and certainly doesn't know that industry in a particular business, telling an entire, you know, through a socialized approach, an entire group of companies, oh, you must do this. You must eat this benchmark by this date, or 
you will go out of business or we will find you and go after you and you will be regulated incessantly. I mean, this this is just a, 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 a dead end street. We've watched it over and over again. Doesn't help. What we need are incentives for people to do what they should do, which is protect the environment and be stewards of the environment. And this we can encourage. Uh, and, and, you know, the market itself encourages it because pollution is inefficient. Right, right. It's a waste product. Uh, right. and, and to your point, um, you know, the innovations that have already occurred despite obstacles, because I think there is an incentive for most people to want cleaner air, cleaner water in an environment that's clean. And they've divided this along party lines, this environmentalism, because the real environmentalism has been lost to a move toward Marxism and communism, as opposed to actually concerning ourselves for what are we breathing? What are we eating? Is it contaminated? That kind of thing. I'm encouraged by, and maybe I'll get to this later, Bobby Kennedy, when challenged on the environment, because he does have a belief that he says in uh, the carbon dioxide being a global or greenhouse gas. He's out of that whole environmental movement. He's, yeah. he's the person, but, but unlike uh, many of those environmentalists who are just extremists on the left, they yeah. basically are first Marxist, second environmentalists, right. he really isn't a Marxist. He does not believe in a state-controlled economy, I don't think. No, he, no, he's saying that. My point is I'm hearing, because these are concerns and questions I would have, you would have in talking to, about what but, he would do. He's running for president. And you know what? Say, he actually brings up market forces. He thinks that there are market ways to do this. I'm like, wow, this doesn't sound like any Democrat I've heard in, in a long time. I mean, he may not be uh, as strong an advocate of, uh, of economic liberty as you and I are. However, uh, what it does show is that he is not a person that the Democrat Party will feel comfortable with because he is, I mean, he's more of a Republican than he is a Democrat in this sense. And in fact, if you look at all of his positions, you would be more apt to put him in the category of a Republican than a Democrat based on what the Democrat Party has endorsed. The, the national platform of the Democrat Party is a progressive, quote unquote, socialist platform. No question about it. It's a Bernie Sanders platform which is a, a socialist platform. He doesn't fit into that. He's not a person, apparently, based on what he's saying, he's not a person who endorses a massive government overhaul, overtake uh, uh, of the economy and of individual freedom of choice. He's an advocate for uh, the classic paradigm of the old days of civil rights. Yeah. He's an advocate of individual liberty. You and I are advocates of individual liberty, unwaveringly so for decades. In fact, since we were able to have a scruple in our brains, probably from uh, five years old forward, I mean, we have we have loved liberty, and that's what drives us. Some of these other people believe there's a role to play. He still thinks there's a role to play for the government. And what he what he ultimately, I hope, will come to the realization is that really government having energy in government, uh, pow that is power and mobility, energy in, in Jefferson's sense of that Enlightenment era thinking, is evil. It is, it is harmful because these people have their own perverse incentives to exercise their power to enhance their own power and their own wealth. And so as Jefferson said so many years ago uh, in, in uh, the late 1780s, he said, I'm not a friend of a very energetic government. It is always oppressive. That's true. Always. It is always oppressive when government is given power. So 
I would hope at some point in his in his evolution that Bobby Kennedy would come to the ultimate uh, resting point, which is where liberty is, and that is that really government is an evil, and the less government we have, the better. And government does perform a role of ensuring that when an individual violates the rights of another, that they can be held to account. But that's a law enforcement role. It's not a day-to-day interference with the lives of every single American citizen like we have today. Well, and I'm encouraged by what I'm hearing there. He's not naive about regulatory capture as well. And even if he has a different perspective on certain things in the environment, it sounds like he's not looking for the heavy hand of government to come in and eliminate freedom. And he recognizes the environmental movement has been corrupted and, and captured. Now, coming back to uh, DeSantis and his statement of eliminating four departments reminds me of a, an article. Superdon, you found that article uh, about Ron Paul years ago. It says, Ron Paul proposes saving $1 trillion, wouldn't that be nice nowadays, by scrapping five federal departments. Do you remember that from all those years ago? And it was like a shock. People were like, what? You want to eliminate things? Yes, I want to eliminate things. And let's see, what did he mention? Uh, including the Department of Energy and Education Departments as well. I don't know how much of that would uh, also include the Department of Housing and Urban Development, Commerce and Interior. All would abolish the Transportation Secretary, Security Administration, TSA, leaving uh, security at airports and transportation up to the private sector. Uh, on and on it goes. Do you remember that video clip of the debate at the time, the Texas governor, what was his name uh, at that time in the, in the presidential debates? Superdon, do you remember uh, his name, the Texas governor at the time? He later became the uh, uh, Department of Perry. Oh, it's Rick Perry. Rick Perry, and ironically... Or no, the Department of Energy. Yeah. Ironically, that was the department, I believe, that he took over. Was the yeah, one Department of Energy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he had a great deal of difficulty identifying the agencies. <laughs> Do you have black well, clips? Actually, you know what? Let's let's get in the time machine. Yes. And we'll go back to, to, the, uh, to the debate. Yeah, it was very funny. But the fact of the matter is we better have a plan in place that Americans can get their hands around. And that's the reason my flat tax is the only one of all the folks, these good folks on the state. It balances the budget in 2020. It does the things to the regulatory climate that has to happen. And I will tell you, it's three agencies of government when I get there that are gone. Commerce, education, and the, um, uh, what's the third one there? Let's see. Got Give me oh, fine. No, okay. So fine. commerce, education, and uh, Ron Paul calling him out. It's five departments to, uh, to him. Energy, I think. I think he yeah. The last one was energy, but uh, he didn't have the energy to produce that word. Energy. Certainly not. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. But I'm glad that DeSantis is bringing that kind of t- discussion back, at least, to consider that we could be okay yeah. without these departments. I know. Thank you. Otherwise, really, Robert, otherwise, if we don't get serious about this, what we have is perpetually growing government. I mean, that's what they tell us. They tell us it, the far left has insinuated this into Republican thinking. Uh, that is that, oh, you know, really, there it's not feasible to reduce the scope and size of government. Uh, all you can do is reduce the rate of increase. Well, that's utter nonsense because a lot of these agencies are absolutely albatrosses around the necks of free market actors and have done nothing but tear down the marketplace. I mean, look, we have to become a very vibrant, successful economy if we're going to survive the threat posed by communist China and if we're going to have a society in which 
there's upward economic mobility and economic opportunity. So if we don't get the stranglehold of government off of the back and necks of American people, we are going to see the free market collapse under the weight of this massive uh, burden, which is the regulatory state and uh, the incessant growth of government at a cost now uh, in, in a national debt of over $33 trillion. So there's no question but that we have to do this to survive. This is now an existential threat. They talk about climate change being an existential threat. That's utter rubbish. The existential threat to the United States is uncontrollable government growth and debt. That's the existential threat. Look at this Washington Post article that, that echoes what you're saying, believe it or not. It says the federal debt to soar, the CBO, Congressional Budget Office, predicts despite GOP-led spending standoff, and it says the U.S. debt is expected to soar to historic levels over the next 30 years, eventually reaching 181% of the country's total economic output, even after Republicans drove a high-stakes standoff, as they say, to secure some level of reduction in the growth of government. And this is where the Republicans have not been strong enough to say, look, this is the existential threat, as you point out. Uh, you can be for the environment, and not, and 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 yet, even if you want to... Only one way to solve any problem, and that only one way is to have the government do it. Uh, and and that's just an old, really, when you think about it, that is a pre-modern conception. We know how to solve problems. They do not involve government bureaucrats dictating to the private sector how to do it. All of the greatest advances that have caused the economy to grow by leaps and bounds have all been due to free market innovation. And when you have uh, the government in, in the spades throughout the economy, both federal and state, restricting economic actors based on absurdities. I mean, I, every time I go up against the Federal Trade Commission, it seems they have an absolutely ridiculous uh, determination about what constitutes deceptive advertising. And on an academic point, with no proof of actual harm to any consumers, they go forward with a multi-million dollar prosecution that cripples small businesses and medium-sized businesses, forcing them to cause, uh, you know, kick out their employees and and reduce the size of their operations just to survive if they can survive. This is the kind of thing that's idiotic that absolutely is destroying us. If we, you know, the growth of the American economy depends upon small and medium-sized businesses prospering. That's where innovation comes from. It's not from these corporate capitalists who are you know, tied to government in this corporate state. That's where innovation is stultified, where it's prevented to ensure that they have maximum control over the marketplace for their products. We've got to break that down and open up the marketplace to competition. And we can do that fundamentally by eliminating regulatory restraints. And if we just trust in the American people and believe in freedom, we will be rewarded handsomely with opportunities, with economic growth, with success, Beyond our wildest imaginings, we are actually, interestingly enough, because our current predicament is largely a result of investing massively in big government, if we reverse that course dramatically, we will have the biggest economic boom in American history. We will watch the United States catapult ahead of communist China because of innovation, because of people being able to keep their own money and invest it as they wish. If we just keep a stranglehold on government rather than on the market, we can end up being the most prosperous nation on earth. Government's role is to protect people 
from violation of their rights. Government's role from the foundation of this country, the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution, governments are instituted among men to protect the rights of the governed. That's their purpose. So what we've screwed up is this idea that we can only protect political rights, that economic liberty is not deserving of protection. That's not how the Founding Fathers viewed it. The Founding Fathers did not separate economic from political liberty. They just believed in liberty. And they believed it as, as that, you know, I've said many times on your show, the definition Jefferson gave to a rightful liberty, which embraces both economic and political freedom. And so if we once again embrace economic liberty, we're going to have a booming economy and we're going to have the opportunity for people to, for the first time, see huge changes in their lives where, you know, we saw them during the Trump administration, but they will be so much greater if we eliminate these regulatory restraints. If at every move you don't have to get a license and you don't have to get an approval and you don't have to hire all these lawyers to figure out whether you can get into a market and you don't have to constantly watch your back from regulators who are going to threaten you over the use of a word or a comma or a semicolon in an ad or anything like that, or going to tell you they're going to shut you down because you say that prune juice cures chronic constipation when everybody knows that's true, but they call that a, a drug claim, mm-hmm. and you're going to go to jail for that. I mean, this whole thing is insane. It's government-run riot over the rights of the American people, and economic liberty is the thing that they're sacrificing every single day all across the United States. So it's high time we reverse that course, liberated the private sector, and shackled those in government. Remember, Jefferson said that uh, those in government had to be bound down by the chains of the Constitution. Well, right now, as as the far left is interpreting it, there is no Constitution. There is no chain to limit their power. There's only power. That's it. The only thing they regard as, as legitimate is government power. Private power is viewed as suspect and need in need of uh, destruction in favor of an expansion of their own power. So we've got to get back to protecting liberty. That's what made us great. That defines us as a people. We really do have to get back to protecting individual liberty, ending this whole collectivization concept. We are not people of color. We are not people who are white. We are Americans And what is our common characteristic? What defines what we look like to the world? Liberty. It's not that we are, you know, LGBTQ or whatever you want to call it. It's not that we have some strange uh, predilection about advancing people solely based on color. No, the American ideal should be and must be equal treatment under law, regardless of race, regardless of political affiliation, regardless of religion. This is what makes us the greatest nation on earth. Leaving that has been a horrible mistake, and it has hurt us massively. And we can shift this around very quickly. What do we do? We go back to our founding principles. That's how we save America. Jonathan, the uh, idea of binding down with the chains of the Constitution has been corrupted to the point where uh, pro-government primarily leftists, but we will argue some on the right that don't get this concept and really believe in government centralized bureaucracies and power are binding the people down from their freedom and chaining them, enslaving them to a government that is vigorous and large and in, into everything despite constitutional limitations. Uh, and that's you know a big part of why we need you in the Senate 
as well as good people who are running whatever whatever party affiliation they have that that know the history of the country and recognize yes we can have differences of views uh, even on the role of government to some degree and how it's interpreted but seriously stop enslaving the people to this debt that could never mathematically be repaid i don't know how they can deal with it this point and the republicans out there one second jonathan for the republicans out there that are not paying attention to this debt issue if you feel like you believe in defense right defending the country and having a military that can defend itself if we are bankrupt we can't fund a military to defend anything and i think that's again what ron paul's perspective also was about our expenditures how if you want to protect the country legitimately you won't have any money to pay the soldiers Yeah, we don't even have a budget process that is legitimate in Congress. We don't have a debate over the items that are in the budget. We don't have any serious discussion at all over the national debt or funding it, financing it. We have no discussion. So, I mean, how can you possibly have $33 trillion of national debt and huge amounts that have to be paid daily to finance that debt and no serious discussion from the president, from Congress. This is insane. We, we, are, we are like the person who is in a rowboat on Niagara Falls uh, thinking about, gee, you know, all right, so there's a precipitous fall that's in our future, but for right now, let's just read the newspaper and sit back in this little uh, dinghy and see where we go what they're doing i mean they're literally in that position and we it is imminent when we see this collapse when it comes as ron paul has talked about many times when this collapse comes i'm telling you it's going to be so precipitous and so fast it's going to be something that people are going to they're going to say what i mean within 24 hours they'll say what happened how did this happen and that thing that what happened is something we should have anticipated years in advance taken serious measures to get control over this nonsense that is massive government spending on such crazy things as, you know, leading the Department of Education to limit the ability of, of schools to function, uh, except in a compliance with this new DOE rule that is going to make it impossible for women and girls to have any private spaces left. They won't be able to go to the bathroom without having some male president who says that he's female. They won't be able to do that anywhere. They won't be able to have locker rooms without men coming into the locker room saying they're female. They won't be able to be on sports teams of their own. I mean, this whole thing is insane, but they're going to spend tens of millions of dollars to shove that down the throat of every single American citizen all across the United States in every public place, including schools. It, it, does it, do, do people, you know, are we going to allow expenditures of tens of millions of dollars to do such things? And, you know, that's not just an isolated incident. There are millions and millions. I mean, look at how much money they spent on the ridiculous Russiagate hoax with the FBI and DOJ consumed with that for four years. Probably over $100 million was expended on that nonsense. And they knew it was false. But in order to promote a coup d'etat against the sitting president, they expended that money. That's your money. That's my money. And it, it but... If you look at the waste, the fraud, the abuse that goes on in the federal government, it's massive. And you know what? It's just because the money is there and there's no restriction on its use and it's not their money. You spend someone else's money, as as uh, Milton Friedman well explained, you have no conscious 
regard for it. You'll just spend it. That's what happens. So these people, if they hurt personally, if there was some sort of tax that was elevated on them personally, if they kept raising the expenditures of things, they would never do it. Yeah. But it's only because they know the burden is dispersed and it's on you. Yeah. And they get, they'll still get all the luxuries and perks associated with their offices. And they'll also expand their power. And you'll have to grovel to them to get some little crumb to help you in your life because they've assumed your rights and control over them. You know, we got to get back. We are the sovereigns. We have to be sovereign. If you can't go to a member of Congress and say, look, um, I pay your paycheck and I'm here to talk to you, then you've got a problem. If that member says, <laughs> you're just one of my constituents. You you pay taxes. Of course you do. I, I determine what happens with your money, not you. I'll go home. That's what they're doing right now. Virtually in every single case, that's what's happening. Yeah, It's the rare circumstance when you have a Rand Paul or a Ron Paul who actually believe that the people's money should be in the people's hands, not in the hands of government bureaucrats. I mean, what, what, where are all these Republicans who need to be clamoring against the national debt and who instead just gave a pass to the Biden administration to increase the debt? Exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's talk about this concept of equal protection under the law. We talked about... Um, racism, race-based uh, uh, hiring practices or uh, admission to college. Now, historically, we don't deny, we really look back at the 20th century and there were some horrific uh, uh, you know, injustices visited upon people who had more pigment than other people, right? Let's just say it. Uh, weren't even allowed in colleges. We're allowed, you know, those things are disgusting. There's no question about it. It's not even controversial. That was a horrible thing. Yet now the Supreme Court has just ruled that race-based policies on admissions to colleges are not constitutional. How do you square the two issues, right? The only way to correct the racial injustice that occurred before was by more racial injustice? Or how do you describe what happened here with the Supreme Court? Well, first of all, understand that it is illegal to discriminate against someone in a public place. And if you are denied employment or you're denied housing or you're denied some other privilege or opportunity solely based on your race, that's illegal. And you can sue or you can complain to the EEOC and they can bring an action. So in an individual case, there are multiple remedies available for someone who is the subject of discrimination. Now, this whole idea of remediating past discrimination by helping an individual who has not per se been the subject of specific discrimination, giving them an advantage over others is repugnant to the very concept of equal protection. And instead, what we need to do is to ensure that the systems of government are blind as to race and that you are judged on your merit rather than on the color of your skin. Uh, the whole idea of this is, of course, opposed by those who advocate critical race theory, who advocate the new racism. So the old racism of the Jim Crow era is now identical to the new racism of the far left in critical race theory and all of this whole gender movement, which is designed to advance the interests of an extreme minority at the expense of the majority without regard to the rights of individuals who are being violated in the process. So what does this decision mean, this decision, which is Students for Fair Admissions, Inc. versus Harvard and versus the University of North Carolina? This decision is not a, a panacea. It's not perfect. I would have decided it differently. This decision is an advancement, yes, because it rejected 
the uh, uh, affirmative action admissions policies of Harvard and uh, UNC because those policies gave people a right of admission uh, in no small measure because of their race. Mm. So it is a racist policy at those institutions which gave people, regardless of their academic scores and so forth, without regard to those scores vis-a-vis others, an advantage to enter because they were of a certain color. And they gave a disadvantage to others like Asians and whites in order to achieve this objective. So in other words, an Asian student or a white student that had superlative grades and otherwise exemplary uh, uh, resumes were discriminated against in favor of those who were of color and met certain racial categories, even when those individuals in those racial categories lacked the academic merit comparable to the whites and Asians. So the Supreme Court held that race-conscious decision-making unconstitutional, but they still gave room for allowance of race as a factor, and they uh, essentially upheld prior precedent which had made that same determination, and I believe erroneously. And that, the Equal Protection Clause very plainly, as they quote in the decision, very plainly makes it forbidden to use race as a basis to award or disallow someone a, a opportunity. Race has to be written out of the equation. The court goes partially towards that by saying, well, while you can't look at race, you can look at other characteristics of the person, such as their economic status or whether or not uh, they had um, exa- uh, given examples of overcoming adversity mm-hmm. in one way or another. And I have no problem with that, that assessment, that overcoming adversity is a characteristic that shows ability and it can t- be taken into account, but not as a proxy for your color. In other words, it may be that you overcame a racial adversity, but racial adversity is not a legitimate basis for uh, deciding whether you are entering into a college. Instead, it would have to be, oh, I came from a poor background, and despite my economic hardship, I was able to overcome that by doing X, Y, and Z, which enabled me to achieve my objectives. That's an indication of your ability. Uh, And likewise, if you had been prevented from succeeding, those those may be taken into account. But in the end, it has to be meritocratic and it cannot reveal your race. In an application, you shouldn't have to reveal your race. In an application for admission to a school, there should be no reference whatsoever. Yeah, the older areas are they allowed to discriminate like this. Uh, there's a great tweet by uh, the comedian Rob Schneider, who, by the way, that's someone I'd love to have as part of our, like, if we do a fundraiser telethon, like thing with uh, Mike Adams later in the month in July uh, that he would participate maybe because he's he's shown himself to be a true patriot, conservative, constitutional guy, uh, and, and classical liberal in the sense of classical liberalism, which is different from modern, a uh, progressive Marxist liberalism. And uh, show this tweet if you don't mind, Super Don from Rob Schneider. I wish my Filipino mother Pilar would have lived to see the day when Asian Americans were no longer discriminated against in universities in America for simply being Asian. That day is from AQU, the Supreme Court. So it's a little funny and also a little sad and pointed. But yeah, think of the other groups of people that were discriminated against based on race-based quotas of entry into universities. He's echoing Martin Luther King. Uh, You know, 
Martin Luther King perhaps said it best and for all time. We're not to be judged based on our co the color of our skin, but on the content of our characters. I mean, that indeed must be the basis upon which we evaluate people uh, in circumstances such as admissions and so forth. We don't want our society to be one in which we look at superficialities as the basis for making important decisions that will determine whether someone is your lawyer, is your doctor, is, is uh, uh, enabled to perform one action or another in the marketplace that is indispensable. Instead, we want the best. We want the best and the brightest. We want the most able. We want people with the talent, with the ability to acquire the talent. And we want to focus on those things. But if we allow superficialities of race to, uh, no pun intended, color our thinking, then we're, go we're off on the wrong track. What we're doing is we're taking things that are irrelevant to your intrinsic merit and saying it can substitute for that merit. And while I like the decision, I don't love it. And I don't love it because it should have been stronger and it should have ruled out any possibility whatsoever of allowing race to be used as a factor or a consideration in uh, college admissions. And that's what the 14th Amendment was intended to do. Yeah. It was intended to create equal justice under law regardless of race. Jonathan, let's let's talk about uh, wars for democracy. This is an interesting thing. I, uh, ever since I learned about our founding documents and form of government, it's, it's always struck me the wrong way when even Republicans say we've got to save the world, make the world free for democracy. I'm like, dude, our founders did not create a democracy. And the reasons are specific as to why, because in a democracy, it's ultimately mob rule. There's no defense against the majority ruling out the rights of the minority, which is the ultimate minority, the individual. And that to me is problematic. Not that we don't have democratic principles or vote and that kind of thing, but really it's important. I think words have meaning. Words we use often are watered down by those that want to control us and deceive us. Tucker Carlson has taken a show from Fox since he got supposedly fired, and he's got hundreds of millions of views, far more than he had even on Fox News. And his latest episode says, basically, wars for democracy always cancel democracy in the process, kind of like what we're seeing in Ukraine. Ukraine is not a democracy. I don't believe it's ever been one. But even so, Zelensky's asked, hey, is there going to be a vote? Well, when the war is over, we'll vote again. So basically, emergency rule, martial law, kind of like what we went through in COVID, where rights and limita limitations on rights became the you know, par for the course as the Constitution didn't matter because it was an emergency, right? Rule of necessity kicks in and there's no limitation to what government does. And in wartime, we have states of emergency. Oftentimes in our own history in America, and you know it well, there have been things that are people that were duly elected and we admire in many ways as part of the foundation of our country that also went too far in an emergency in eliminating certain constitutional protections. Well, there is the suspension of the writ of habeas corpus, which is authorized in the midst of war and in the theater of war, even if it is on our own territory, uh, there is the opportunity for that suspension of the writ, which means that people can be incarcerated without cause, just cause, for a period of time. Um, that is a, 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 uh, an exception that is in the extreme. That is to say, in the theater of war and where military uh, uh, defeat really hangs in the balance. We had situations like that in the Civil War. We had situations where copperheads were organizing to overthrow the government of the United States, aiding the Confederacy against the Union. 
and in certain parts of the country, martial law was declared, which is also authorized under the Constitution in those instances of a theater of war type of scenario, and the writ of habeas corpus was suspended. So it's not like the Constitution doesn't contemplate this. It's just the abusive application of it outside of the theater of war in a COVID-type environment, which is absolutely uh, horrific. It means that the Bill of Rights can be suspended without a constitutional hook, just based on the raw will of the executive. And there are instances where, uh, um, you know, you had you had uh, a, an order from Justice Taney, who wrote the Dred Scott decision, to compel the release of a copperhead, uh, an ex-part McArdle, I believe, and... Um, and Abraham Lincoln uh, said when he was confronted with that order from the Supreme Court, from the justice, uh, Justice Taney, he said, Justice Taney, you have your order. You go ahead and enforce it, meaning I'm not going to have the executive branch enforce your order to release these copperheads who are uh, uh, Confederates with the Confederacy against the Union. Uh, now, so there are these constitutional crises that occur. And in the theater of war, when we're in a civil war environment where you have to defend the Union from utter destruction, those are unique and unusual circumstances. But in, in a situation like this, I mean, you're absolutely right to say that the Ukraine is a democracy is really quite laughable. They're not a democracy. And to say that it is somehow pristine and, and in favor of all of the things that are characteristic of what our Constitution requires of us is also laughable because, uh, frankly, corruption is the most common characteristic of the Ukrainian government over the years. But uh, that corruption, of course, is writ large now in our own government. But the, the point is, we're a republic. The Founding Fathers intended, as I wrote in that recent article for PJ Media, the Founding Fathers intended for us to be a republic. We are a republic unique in all the world. So empire building, uh, going around the world and trying to create governments that are uh, duplicates of the United States is really fraught with folly. Instead, what we need to do is to protect our own interests and ensure that our own people are protected. And that is a necessity. That's the role of a commander-in-chief in defense of our rights and our liberties and our country. But when it comes to other countries, really the word is uh, you, you, you must ensure that you do not violate the lives, liberty, and property rights of American citizens. You cannot attack the United States. You cannot attack American citizens. You cannot wage war by proxy. You cannot do these things against us or we will retaliate. But when it comes to a people, a people outside of our own geographical limits and constitution determining their own fate, we have to let them do that. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to let them do that when it costs us our lives or when it costs us our liberty, but it doesn't mean that we have to do that sensibly when we realize that, hey, look, what that regime chooses to do to its own people, while horrific in our eyes, is not our affair. And when it comes to uh, ultimately deciding disputes, well, we can influence those things in ways that help ourselves. Like I've said many times, the solution to the Ukraine is liquefied natural gas depots all across Europe replacing Russia with the United States and allowing the marketplace to enrich us and not Russia. And, and in fact, to deplete them of their principal source of revenue needed to maintain the war. But instead, we dump hundreds of billions of dollars on the Ukrainians with virtually no accounting. And we have all this graft taking place. We know that over $400 million has been 
at least $400 million has been uh, uh, wrongfully expended to enrich individuals' lives over there who are in positions of power. So that's irresponsible. That's, that's, that's violating the rights and interests of the American people to help Zelensky. Yeah. Well, the, the, you know, the, the idea of war is the solution to everything. As we know, our founders uh, took very seriously that the, the, you know, the power of declaring war by a monarchy or, or an oligarchy and said, you know what, this needs to be in the people's house, the House of Representatives. And, you know, we haven't had a declaration of war in the House of Representatives since World War II, yet we have engaged militarily around the world. Some would say foolishly, some would say, hey, it's justified in certain circumstances. But in many ways, I would urge that, you know, that most serious part of what a president could do, becoming commander in chief over an active, you know, armed forces engaging in war. Uh, I think um, in many cases it's taken too lightly and it's done to the depletion of our resources, not to the benefit and strength of our country. Well, remember George Washington's words of wisdom about beware of entangling alliances. Uh, The founding fathers had direct experience with this. The French, when they first came over here, uh, had agents that were actually um, uh, spies for the French government that were designed to try to perpetuate the American Revolution indefinitely, not enabling us to win, but enabling us to fight uh, for the purpose of depleting the resources of the British so that the French could then become the world power and ultimately come back and, and take over control over the world in place of the British Empire. But they were they were ultimately uh, stymied in their efforts, even though there was Silas Dean, I believe, was one of the American agents who was enriching himself personally by uh, cooperating in these efforts by the French to manipulate us in ways that were harmful. But Washington experienced that early in his uh, 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 history as commander-in-chief of the Continental Army and he never forgot it. And he also realized it all throughout his presidency, this buying of British and French agents in an effort to try to gain uh, the upper hand with this very lucrative uh, trade that was available through the United States and also by attempting in one way or another to overthrow our country. Uh, he worked vigorously against that by remaining neutral. Mm-hmm. And, and the, so there's a point of neutrality which is very important there is a point of recognizing that our interests have to be looked at holistically, such that what are our economic interests and what are our political interests and what are our uh, interests in protecting our rights and, and liberties. So it takes a very mature and sober view. Yes. And when you have a knee-jerk reaction that says, let's go to war at every drop of a hat, that's an inflammatory thing that it does no one any good and endangers our lives and security. So that has to be a last resort. War has to be a last resort. But um, what we have not done effectively is recognize the enormous power of free enterprise as a counterweight to every other threat. Reagan said it best. I mean, if, if our military is second to none, if we have the economic base to support a military that is second to none, that will fend off a lot of the threats that exists in the world. And I don't mean to say that the military uh, budget need not be scrutinized and that the waste and abuse that takes place in federal spending for the military ought to remain. I'm against that, and I'm in favor of more sophisticated approaches. Government planning is always a disaster, even if it's in the military. you got to use the the great genius of the private sector 
not the other way around, but the great genius of the private sector to enable us to harden our uh, our uh, electronic communication in this country so that it cannot be invaded by foreign powers and to protect our our uh, our our patents and our economic rights and interests uh, writ large by using sophisticated private means of protecting those things that will always outpace anything that a, a communist actor like China could ever do as long as they're free to innovate and as long as they have the incentives to do it and as long as we have an economic policy in place that focuses on building the American economy, bringing back manufacturers to our own country, recognizing when companies are bad actors, when they actually are agents of foreign powers, and punishing them for that, just as we would spies uh, domestically. You know, if we're going to give person status to companies, which I think is uh, what the court has done, and I'm not, a, I, I don't necessarily object to that, but if we give person status to companies, we must treat them in the same manner we do individuals. And if you become an agent for foreign power against the United States, you should be treated as an agent of a foreign power, as a spy. We need clear laws in place that will make sure that individuals who violate our interests, even if they're corporate actors, or perhaps especially if they are, are subjected to severe punishment, prosecution, and criminal incarceration, just as we would a spy from a foreign land in our country. Now, none of these things are being enforced by the Biden administration. No, we have spies all over the place in the United States running. I mean, they, they have virtually no restrictions. And Jonathan, I mean, one of the things you said was the word sober came to mind as well earlier. And, and, and that sober debate discussion, the debate that's not happening on almost anything within our congressional representatives, the Senate, et cetera, where there's rational debate and discussion as opposed to yelling and screaming at one another and attacking each other ad hominem because we're not of the same party mindset or whatever. And where is, I think there's a craving, I feel it, uh, for, I, I think, again, this is why Bobby Kennedy has become popular among many in the Republican side going, nobody, hardly any are talking like this, you know, on the Republican side either. So give people credit where they are individually worthy of that credit as opposed to ad hominem attacks. And just real quick, I, I think it was an interesting question they had. Trump had made some nice statements about Bobby Kennedy and, you know, they were trying to bait Kennedy into attacking Trump. And he says, I'm not going to attack Trump. You know, I'm glad that he, whatever. But the point is when you're going forward and we, when we talk about Tim Kaine even, and I have, have very strong opinions about what that guy's all about. It isn't to attack him ad hominem. It's to point out his policies, his beliefs, and what they are doing to our country, much less Virginia and the people of Virginia. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, talk about his personal foibles, but I am going to say that his actions revealed that he's an enemy of liberty. Right. And, and that's just the way it is. I mean, if he wasn't an enemy of liberty, I wouldn't be running. If he was a friend of liberty, it would be great. But he's an enemy of liberty, and there's so many like him. And so if we have to... If we're going to have a rebirth of liberty in this country, we have to ensure that people like that are not in government. Right. I mean, he might uh, he might have academic scruples. I don't know. It doesn't seem to be, to be particularly able there. But nonetheless, um, his job should not be uh, coming up with votes for expenditures of over a trillion dollars four times in a row in excess of the national budget and adding to the $33 trillion debt without regard to the inflationary effect on people in his own state and people across the country. Uh, you know, we can't do this and survive. Why is someone in that position aiding and abetting a movement to destroy our own country? 
Now, at least with this whole support for uh, Biden's administration's policies on the border, he's called Alejandro Mayorkas someone who he supports and defends. Yeah. Jonathan, as we wrap up the Sacred Fire of Liberty edition of the show today, uh, I want to ask you about the upcoming events. We got Independence Day. There's a big event happening. At your, you're also hosting an event. I have the uh, emord4va.com website always linked up, and there's the special events page as well. Anything you want to do to invite folks to support you or upcoming events they should know about? Yeah, if you're in the area, come to the Loudoun County Fourth of July Parade. Uh, that's going to be great. Governor Youngkin will be there. He'll be driving uh, probably in a convertible. It's kind of funny to see Governor Youngkin. He's so big. When you see him in a uh, a Mustang convertible, it almost looks like he's driving a, a toy car. Um, it, it's but he's he's coming, and that's a real joy for us up here in Northern Virginia to see that very popular governor coming up. And then in addition, um, you know, I'll be up here in a, in my own convertible too, with a whole our whole fleet of campaign vehicles driving with us um, in that parade, and we're giving out pocket constitutions. We're giving out. American flag fans were giving out um, all sorts of little wondrous things along the way, uh, including candy. And uh, people are also getting American flags. We're going to have a whole, all of our, uh, many of our local supporters, even though many are, are gone on vacation, but many of them are going to be out there. They'll, they'll be wearing Emord swag and they'll be handing out Emord swag all along the parade route. And then we have uh, later on that, that afternoon and evening, a massive 4th of July party here. Um, around the pool and with fireworks and so on. So it'll be really quite quite a fantastic way to celebrate our Independence Day in a way that the Founding Fathers wanted. They wanted to see fireworks and they wanted grand celebrations on the anniversary of our Declaration of Independence. So we're happy to oblige. Yeah, and also happy birthday, America, in advance. I, I want to make it happier as we move forward. A uh, happy birthday to my daughter will be 18 on Independence Day. And I think... Uh, theoretically or actually i'll have to ask my wife will it be 29 years of marriage on that day crazy ah when we get here yeah just amazing and my daughter's playing joan of arc in the musical uh presentation of cries of freedom about the history of freedom and uh, leading to america very patriotic play that she's got nine performances coming up over the holiday wow great things to celebrate in the midst of things that are very serious that we do cover together jonathan i appreciate again your cogent and sober assessment and discussion, willingness to debate and discuss all of these things. Uh, I am better for it every time we get together, my friend. Thank you. Well, the feeling's mutual, Robert. And when it comes to your daughter, my daughter, they're both musicians and singers. My daughter will be singing from one of the campaign vehicles through the roof of it. Uh, God bless America all along the parade route on the 4th of July, too. So, yeah, where our daughters are active around the 4th, and that's good to see them and hear them, too. Your yeah. daughter beautiful voice absolutely I, I we can't i can't wait on the campaign trail well they'll get together and sing like something like this yeah great. yeah all right take care robert thanks jonathan emore that's sacred fire of liberty hour on the robert scott bell show we went a little over but that's okay uh free of my microphone encumbrance i hope uh super will tell me that everything's going okay in the second hour uh we've got to discuss uh bobby kennedy and the health freedom panel that uh was asking him questions next hour and more you'd like to be part of it, submit your questions now in the chat rooms and or at robertscottbell.com. Our upcoming AMA is this Saturday, uh, the 1st of July, and that's a Zoom, so we get to see one another. If you want to be a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show, check it out at robertscottbell.com, where the power to heal is yours.
oh, I just took another dose of uh, my Nutritional Frontiers Hemp CBD, Certified Organic U.S. Grown. Uh, yeah, why am I stressed? Well, look, you, you go into this show and you expect that most everything will work seamlessly, flawlessly. And I know that's not the way it always works or sometimes works. And uh, the microphone is fine, but the, I don't know what happened. I can't turn on the, the mixing board. So if it sounds different today, there's a reason. I'm just coming through my built-in microphone. It's not normally what I do. I haven't done this for, it feels like generations because when I started in broadcast media and radio, of course you can see normally I'm, I'm talking to the RE20. So today I'm not. So I'm unencumbered and I, I'm asking you, Super D, everything okay? It's not perfect, but hopefully everybody can hear me and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll get a good show out. Yes. I believe everything is okay. Although I have noticed some glitchiness going on on my end with things as well. We had an issue yesterday with uh, with playing the intro yeah. and it kind of glitched a little bit again, I think. And, and I noticed that there were some issues with rumble uh picking up the feed at the very beginning of the show so i'm not sure what's going on um i don't know i there's there are some other services out there that are similar to the one that we're using right now that i may take a look at um that would you know basically do the same thing uh, hopefully without the glitches so we'll see right well, that's that's what I'm dealing with today, and thanks for bearing with us, everybody that's joining us. It was still a great, yeah, and I'll, I'll let you know just if it'll make you feel better. Yeah, uh, I believe that I could fix your audio uh, for the podcast. Really? Uh, using that evil artificial oh, intelligence. Artificial intelligence. Uh, I, I believe because what I, I I can I can isolate your audio track. I believe. Uh, make it sound like he, he's talking through an RE20. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you're listening to the podcast right now and you're going, I don't understand. He sounds fine to me. It's because through the the power of technology, I was able to fix it. That would be the reason. So I know you're you're going through uh, customer service or whatever tech support as well while we're on the air. I, I But I still I need your help, too, in knowing uh, if we have some video clips today. I just have the clips. Yeah, uh, I'm going to attempt to play them okay. and, and we'll see what happens. Right now, I spent. A little too much time, if that's possible, out in my garden this morning, doing the lawn, making sure all the things are growing nicely. And it neglects a little bit of my preparation for the show. So I I could have checked or should have checked earlier, but I didn't think there would be a problem with my mixing board. So again, I'm I'm shouldering the blame for whatever I did. (laughs) Tried to take responsibility. You're fired. You're out of here. You're fired. I'm gone. The host is out. Uh, So uh, is it, are they clips from various interviews that Bobby Kennedy gave or his health panel. What I have is, uh, you know, good old Bobby Kennedy has been busy. He's been making the rounds and, uh, you know, various people outside of the mainstream media have been giving him, uh, you know, the opportunity to talk and it's nice to see. Um, so, uh, the clips that I have for today are a town hall that he did yesterday on a news outlet called News Nation. They're fairly new. I think they they're they're like a year old, maybe. Um, I really haven't. I, I do check on them from time to time in my show prep, but I haven't focused on them a lot. Although after watching uh, some of the coverage and stuff on this town hall from yesterday. I'm a little more interested in in what it is that they're doing because they they say anyway that their goal is to be an unbiased news outlet. 
Um, and, and so I'm going to check them out. The only issue I have with them is that they hired Chris Cuomo. If you remember, what? he got, he got canned by CNN, wow. uh, shortly before Don Lemon or no, let's see. It was, it was, I think it was Chris Cuomo. Then it was Brian Stelter. And then it was Don Lemon, yeah. the three stooges of CNN. Uh, so, so you know, they, Chris pretending to be something that he's not as usual. He, um, from what I have gathered is not as, um, as biased in what it is that he's doing, like he was at CNN. I have trouble believing that he probably is very disappointed about that. Yeah. You know, he, uh, I think we saw the real Chris Cuomo when he was at CNN, but I think he's, you know, he's maybe he's toned things down a little bit because he likes having a job and he probably doesn't want to go to MSNBC. So, um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, anyway, the clips are from the town hall. If I remember the town hall clip, because again, I'm wanting to play, although we do have an article about the panel he assembled about health, freedom, different questions that the problem. I had trouble locating that. It was a thing like you had to register for it. Yeah, it might be behind um, a wall or something. I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't readily there's just an there. article about that. So when I can cover that uh, via the article, which is fine. I want to, you guys to know, and I did want to know as well, some of the responses to the questions that I would have asked and some of the folks did ask. But this town hall, if I'm not mistaken, I saw a clip earlier uh, where they challenged him immediately about vaccinations. Yes. Is that where we're going? That That is is where we're going, yeah. That is where we're going. Are you like wanting to go now or? Yes, go now. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And Mr. Kennedy, one of the biggest controversies surrounding your candidacy is your stance on childhood vaccines. Nearly every scientific and medical organization, including the CDC, the FDA, the AMA, the American Academy of Pediatrics, all say you're wrong on this issue. This leads us to our very first question from our audience. It's Dr. Tariq Butt, who specializes. I would ask you one thing. On what issue? On childhood vaccines. What about them? And whether they ever cause autism or damage kids. They all okay. say these vaccines are have billions of lives. Damage kids. I don't think anybody has said they never have. There might be a child here, but overall, all those organizations say vaccines are safe and have saved millions and millions of lives. Great setup there, huh? Yeah. Do you, do you like the way Bobby responds? And, and he's very... He's got his hand, you know, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm engaged with you. I want to hear. I want you to clarify. And, right. and for anybody that is engaged in a difficult uh, challenge, let's say you're being challenged, the, the best way is to get clarification. Ask questions in return. Be- make them get very specific about what they're making statements about because the, dro- the broad, vague generalities are impossible to respond to. And he's, you know, very good at that, understanding that whether it's a lawyerly thing or just it's a Bobby thing. Well, and how many times has he been hammered, right? He knows where most of the time where, where these questions uh, and where these things are leading to. So it was very smart of him to do that because he wanted to, clear, you know, like you said, clarify ahead of time. I, you know, is this where you're going to go? Yes. If this is where you're going to go, then we need to we need to correct this now before we go there because there's obviously some misconception going on. Yeah, and, and of course, he. I think they brought a doctor, a physician of some kind in with a uh, uh, accent yeah. from somewhere, Doctor yeah. Butt. Yes, yeah. all all of the teenagers laughed uh, when he got up to the microphone, and and his name is Tariq Butt, Doctor Butt. I don't know if he's a proctologist or not, but he uh, apparently was a guy that uh, was going to hit him with a hard question and and maybe trip him up. We'll see what happens. 
Uh, let's get to our audience question from Dr. Butts. Good evening. Eradication of chickenpox and polio from the U.S. and many parts of the world is a direct result of regular vaccines. Measles, mumps, rubella, and many diseases are preventable, and there is little to no evidence of these diseases in vaccinated population. Your vaccine stance is dangerous to the health and well-being of millions. Medical experts are deeply concerned about your message. How can we help you to come to the side of science? What was the question? How can you help me come to my senses? No, no. no. You are a very smart person. Uh, okay, so you know, I don't. I think most people don't know what my stance on vaccines. I've never been anti-vaccine, and I've said that hundreds and hundreds of times. But it doesn't matter um, because that is a way of silencing me. Using that pejorative to describe me is a way of silencing or marginalizing me. Um, my position on vaccines, I think, is it, I think virtually every American would agree with my stance on vaccines, which is that vaccines should be tested like other medicines. They should be safety tested. And unfortunately, vaccines are not safety tested. They're not, uh, there's, in the, of the 72 vaccine doses now mandated, essentially mandated, they're recommended, but they're really mandated. For American children, none of them, not one, has ever been subject to a pre-licensing placebo-controlled trial. Yes, they have. No. Yeah, uh, they have. Okay. That was amazing that she just came right out. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. Based on what do you say that, uh, I mean, because she's going to lose that argument and you're going to see that shortly. Uh, but I think um, some people on our side of the equation don't like it when Bobby or other people say, I'm not anti-vaccine. But oh, man, the skeptics just like, they get they can't control themselves when he says that. Yeah. I mean, and as you pointed out, it doesn't matter if he says it a thousand times. They just use that to try and silence any discussion, well, debate, COVID, what is otherwise. What definition of anti-vaccine? Talk about moving the goalposts. That's something that the skeptics like to always accuse other people of doing. You're moving the goalposts. Well, yeah, so if, if Bobby Kennedy is against vaccine mandates, according to the new definition, he's against vaccine. anti-vaccine. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's not rational. The, the statement is a, a pejorative, as you said, or it's an ad hominem attack, even though I would say, personally, as a homeopath, I think vaccines are a violation of the fundamental freedom of your immune system to interact with the world safely, beneficially, and strongly, that they corrupt that immune response. And I've granted and I've, you know, I've acknowledged that they may suppress the expression of these so-called given diseases that have been diagnosed, whether it be measles or whatever. So you don't see a measles uh, skin outbreak. You're like, oh, is that successful? Well, only if the antibodies you can detect through titer. But then again, you can have a titer positive check and still manifest the measles. So, you know, the question or the statement that the vaccines are effective, remember, it was based on can we measure an antibody, not whether you got the disease or not. Okay, this is, you know, I'm going into very important uh, aspects of their proclamations or claims about it. Now, I am opposed to vaccination as it exists today because I think it violates the fundamental rights of your immune system to function. It causes dysfunction. And you'll hear in terms of the long-term effects, that's where Bobby Kennedy will go. But if somebody says they're not anti-vaccine, am I going to hate them? Because they're they oh, I'm not anti, I don't want to be called anti-vaccine. No, I mean, that's just, it's just silly. As you listen to the nuanced response of what Bobby's presenting, 
what will happen is those that have been believing the lies, the mantra, the religious dogma of vaccinology, safe and effective, will now come to realize that there have been no tests to prove safety. And that also, if we go into efficacy, it's not what you think it is. And so that you'll be better informed to make a fully informed decision about whether you move forward on getting it for yourself or your children. Is that a better place than we are today? Yes. Especially if knowing that there hasn't been placebo-controlled safety tests, how would they mandate something that has an inherent risk that cannot be removed by saying safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective, unless you believe in violating people's fundamental right to bodily autonomy, which apparently the left does, even though they secure it for you if they can, when you want to kill a baby in the body, but not if you want to stop an injection from happening in your body or in the body of your children. So there's a lot of uh, hypocrisies and understatement in this regard. So, okay, go ahead and play the next clip. That's what I'm just trying to set up for you. Let, let me just say something. Dr. Fauci and many other people for many years said this, that Bobby Kennedy, when he says that is wrong. So I met with Dr. Fauci in 2016, you know, and I agreed to go on Trump's Vaccine Safety Commission, and I was with Aaron Seary and uh, Lynn Redwood and uh, a number of other people, and we said to him, can you show us one test from any vaccine, pre-licensing safety test? And he said, I'll send it to you. I can't find one now. He never did. So we sued him. We sued Aaron Seary, I sued HHS, and after a year of litigation stonewalling, they said that they could not provide a single safety study for any vaccine that is on the childhood schedule, pre-licensing safety study. Oh, anybody who wants to read that can go to my web, to the Children's Health Defense website, and you can read HHS's admission that not a single one has ever been safety tested pre-licensing. Now, um, what I've said is other medicines are required to do that. And we should have to do that for vaccines. If I'm wrong, show me the test, show me the study. You won't be able to, because there are none. Yeah. So he pushes back factually on that lady who just says, yes, there is. Yes, there is. It's like, you've got to be able to back it up and go, look, we here's what we did. Here's what we did. This is what they said. Here's what we did. They didn't have it. We sued them. They admitted they don't have it. Now what? Checkmate, stalemate, where do we go from here? Um, I, I, I'm curious about something because I noticed that he's using a term that I'm not, I'm not familiar with. Mm -hmm. There's safety testing. And he, what he's putting out there, and tell me if this is significant, he's talking about pre-licensing safety testing. Yeah. What is the difference there? Do you know? Yeah, that, that is a test that is conducted before the FDA grants licensure for the marketplace. So it can be put on the market. Before that, FDA approval. Correct. Prior to FDA approval. Okay. That's what he's talking about. Rather than post-marketing monitoring, which is what we have today. No safety testing, but they monitor it after the fact when it hits the market. And then when it's reported to the VAERS system, prior to COVID, nobody paid attention to VAERS except a few of us. And after COVID, VAERS is not a reliable system. It doesn't mean cause and effect anyway, so let's dismiss it. So the main way that they would uh, track safety signals to pull a product like that from market, even if it's been licensed by FDA, was through the VAERS system. And remember, it didn't take many cases of injury and adverse events and even death 
following the 1976 flu shot debacle you know, under Gerald Ford before they went, whoa, pull it off the market. So it's not working. That system is not working today, as you can see with COVID. Uh, so does that clarify your question? Answer? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. So now, now the, the next thing that pops up here for me is that, is this where somebody who say, I would say they're, uh, whether they're skeptic or the pro-vax or whatever, where they would say that there's an ethical issue with doing that type of safety testing with a vaccine, because if you did that and you, you gave the vaccine to one person and you didn't give it to the other person, that the person that you, or that you gave the placebo to, they could catch whatever the disease is and die and because they didn't get the vaccine. So there's an ethical dilemma there on performing that type of test. Right. But it's interesting, right? though. I mean, isn't that where they go with that? Yeah, that is indeed their argument, why they don't do it or why they say it's unethical to do it. But why couldn't the same argument be made with drugs, you know, that are theoretically life-saving if you believe in drugs? Well, if we do a placebo test and somebody gets the disease and, 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 is, and is withheld treatment, which ironically is the very experiment that the federal government participated in with the help of certain pharmaceutical agencies uh, or agents, if you will, players, uh, on the Tuskegee Airmen, where they actually gave them syphilis and withheld treatment. You want to talk about the height of unethical. And of course, we can go on and on about allopathic medicine, modern medicine since uh, World War II uh, forward, Nazi Germany, and realize that the medical establishment has not removed itself much from that uh, violation of informed consent and that willingness to slaughter innocents, women, children, men, doesn't matter. Uh, as we see with uh, their moving forward. So I, I think the argument falls flat now when you start looking at the safe and effective claim. At least if there were honesty, you'd say, all right, we don't do safety testing before a uh, licensure. So let's stop saying safe and effective. And then let's redefine up what do you mean by effective? What is efficacy? And then you would have at least some level of honesty where people go, oh, this isn't safety tested. The product hasn't been safety tested short or long term. So now I might be more reluctant, even those that believe in vaccines, to engage in risking it. And they, they can't handle it. So they want it both ways, Super D. See, and they I think there's want- they're, they're, what you what you do is you run into your situation, because I'm sure that somebody else, like, a yeah. you know, they, they would probably say, well, no, that's not true. They did do a safety test. Now, we would look at that safety test, and I've, I've seen things or heard things that people have talked about how, well, they only tested that that particular thing for two weeks. Or something like that. Somebody could look at that and go, well, that that was a safety test. No, but it wasn't specifically placebo controlled. So right. safety tests they've conducted, even in the short term, if they were to claim it, were against uh, other vaccines or other antigens or other adjuvanted kind of uh, substances injected. So it isn't true placebo safety testing, even for those two weeks that they claim they've done right. a safety test. So no, right. uh, I don't think it would be legitimate to make that claim. Okay. What's the definition of a safety test, right? Well, yeah, again, the gold standard is placebo control right. so that you're actually testing it against something inert so you have a baseline of measurement when something happens. If you have adverse events to the placebo happening because it actually has an active ingredient that can that is known to create adverse events and you're comparing it to another vaccine that could potentially have adverse what do you you you're not having a true safety test. You can't analyze safety in that in that realm. Right. So it is unscientific, can I say it that way? To yeah. take, claim that's a safety test. Okay. All right. So on this next clip, I jumped forward a little bit just because uh, that that whole segment that they did there was it was like 13 minutes long or something like yeah. that. 
Um, so this this is jumping ahead a little a little bit here, talking about um, the FDA and the various agencies uh, and doctors as to whether they're being honest or lying to you or not. But so, yeah, what what do you say to people? I mean, it sounds like you're saying that every scientist, every government, uh, our government, governments around the world, doctors like Doctor Butt are are all lying about vaccines. Anything like that. They, the AMA, the A, the American Academy of Pediatrics, they all, and the FDA says, and in fact, on its website, you can clearly see vaccines are, they go through three stages of FDA testing against double blind placebos. They already do that testing. I'm Elizabeth, you, you, you can say that. I'm telling I'm you. not saying that. The FDA, no, the FDA is not saying that. Yes, they do on their website. They have not. They will not tell you that vaccines have that there's any vaccine that has ever undergone a long-term placebo-controlled trial prior to Leicester. They will not, because it's not true. And they, you know, you can go to my website to see where HHS says, yeah, there are none. Yeah. So you push back with the facts like that. It's very awkward, but Bobby Kennedy, pretty great. Like, listen, I respect her for asking the questions. I do. I mean, I don't think she was she was being combative or, or well, she was ignorant of what she said because if she's saying it's on the FDA's website when it's not, yep. it's not a factual statement. She is also relaying a, you know, a, a, a rote memory of what's been programmed into her to say. She's relaying the, the the bullet points and these are the things that you will hear other people say, you know, and they don't give him the opportunity to respond to these types of questions. They just label him like the Rolling Stone article. They just label him and, and dismiss him and, and move on and try and paint him as being a coop. News Nation, you've got to give him credit. They actually had him up there, asked him those questions, and allowed him to be able to address them. He continues here. I'm not saying the AMA is lying. The doctors don't lie. What I'm saying is the FDA does lie, and the FDA lied to us about Vioxx. They knew that the Vioxx was causing heart attacks, but they let, they let doctors believe it was all a, a a medicine that was that was good beneficial for headaches and arthritis without telling it that they were going to kill me and they ended up killing between 120,000 and 500,000 these doctors and all these scientists around the world who say vaccines are safe and have saved millions of millions of lives the same people said Vioxx was safe the same people said opioids that that uh and oxycodone was not addictive because FDA said it and they believe them. And that's the problem. We have a corrupt federal agency that's lying to the AMA, to, you know, to all of those agencies and all of the doctors, and they believe them. But those agencies are controlled by pharma. That is the problem. And that's what I'm trying to end as president. Pretty powerful stuff. Although, you know, he's giving a lot of leeway to the AMA the AAP, all of these organizations and doctors who parrot the lies of FDA, for instance. And I, I can't cut them the same slack. Now, he has to find a way to make a bridge. He's running for president and I'm not. Maybe that's a strategy of his, Super D. But I, I, I get what he's doing. At the same time, I don't have the same kind of, if it's... I, uh, think, I think what it is, is if you take the FDA, the AMA, and the AAP, and you, you, you put them side by side, You've got a much easier case to make against the FDA than you do the other two. It's just out there in plain view. Everybody's heard about Vioxx. They've heard about 
opioids and all that stuff like that. And the FDA is the last line of defense on that stuff being put out there on the market. So I, I think it was it was wise of him to not go you know too far into the other agencies and use the FDA as the example because everybody can can understand and relate to it. Well, it's strategic, as we say. You know, he, you know, he he knows he knows his stuff. So there's one last clip here, and this is actually this addresses another situation here that the media has used against him. Uh, but you know, the the media when they don't allow him on to talk and defend himself, they can control the narrative. They can just say this, 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 and this, and then that's the end of the story. So here, here's it's, it's a short clip, but I I love the way this ended here. You know that your own family doesn't support, many members of your own family don't support your position on vaccines. Your brother, your sister, and your niece have all written an editorial saying on vaccines, Bobby is wrong. His work on vaccines is having heartbreaking consequences. What's your response? Your own family thinks you're wrong on vaccines. Does your family agree with everything that you said? Definitely not. <laughs> you got me on that one. Very simple. End of story. Yeah. You need to go into the differences that exist because everybody recognizes that their own family members will disagree with them from time to time, to time or all the time. Uh, again, very wise of uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in that circumstance and situation. Uh, but as I said, the, uh, the lies of the FDA believed by learned men and women with high level medical and scientific degrees, which is why I say that. Um, they have fallen into the trap of the appeal to authority. And I would call it the appeal to authoritarianism when it comes to medicine, Super Don. And I think that is a, you know, a fair assessment if I'm trying to be kind uh, and not call the people within the AMA or the medical profession directly liars like those maybe within FDA, that they are sycophants and worshipers of authority and authoritarians who tell them what to believe and they parrot it without actually doing any homework as evidenced by that lady who at least let him speak, I'll grant you that, but said things were, that were completely false, not true, but said it with conviction, yet normally that would be the end of it. And in this case, Bobby could counter it. So I think it ends up being a very good uh, and, and illustrative example of how the more they try to discredit Bobby Kennedy as an anti-whatever, will dismiss him because of his views, and you hear the reason for his views and substantiating his views, it becomes harder and harder to dismiss. Do you agree? No, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's just people have to give him an opportunity. They have to give him a chance to be able to talk and explain himself and not uh, just decide that, you know, we have an agenda and we need to shut this guy down. And so we're just going to tell people what to think and not allow him to be able to respond. And also, you know, as far as this town hall, I didn't watch the whole town hall, but there were various clips and stuff like that. It's not like they brought him on as the vaccine uh, candidate. Right. He had many other things to talk about and it was kind of nice to listen to they had a, a panel that came on to talk about it after the town hall was over and to listen to these panelists talk including chris cuomo unfortunately yeah. uh but even he had nice things to say about rfk jr but the one thing that they brought up which i think is is uh, i think it's extremely accurate the reason why People like RFK Jr., doesn't matter if they're on the left or on the right, is because he has something that most politicians and most of, if not almost all, of the other candidates that are running for president, what they don't have. They're not authentic. And that was the word that they kept, bring, they kept bringing up and talking about his, his uh, town hall and what it is he had to say. He's authentic. 
You know, when you see so many of these other politicians that are running for president, you know, and they've got all the things and they're doing they're doing the thing with the hand as they talk, you know, like all politicians do. They all learn in politician school. You know, you do this, you know, when you're talking, uh, you know, it, 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 when the words come out of their mouth, it's not authentic. It sounds rehearsed. It sounds canned. Uh, it's a, you know, a lot of political gibberish, you know, saying a lot uh, or talking a lot, saying a little, you know, that, that whole thing that they do, that, that thing that we have become accustomed to after all of these years, that when these politicians open your mouth, open their mouth, that, that you know that they're lying. You know, that's, you know, that most of that is not sincere. It's not real. When you take somebody like Bobby Kennedy, I would also use somebody like Ron Paul, right? When he was running, even go back to Ross Perot when he was running. When those guys got up and they they spoke, people listened because they sounded authentic. They they sounded like real people that were talking and they weren't reading off a teleprompter. You know, they didn't have a coach, you know, something like that. And I think that is a, a big reason why so many people are attracted to RFK Jr. is because when he talks, it's just like you're sitting down, you're having a conversation with your next door neighbor. Right. You know, and I think that's people are hungry for that sort of thing. They want somebody who's authentic and he, he delivers that. You want authenticity? Come to the RSB family union. July the 14th. Wow. Did you really use me as a segue? Good job. All right. Yeah. That's pretty good of me. <laughs> Considering I have no microphone today, I'm feeling like very like mm-hmm. naked here. Right. It's very strange. Uh, and. Yeah, we'll we'll hear out sounds later. But the RSB Family Union and the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com. I'm so excited about this. I'm learning about folks that I didn't know were planning to be there. In fact, yesterday I was at a Health Independence Alliance meeting and uh, my buddy Scott Scherner and his family. I've had uh, Dr. Scott on there. Well, what is that this plan? Sorry. That was funny. Uh, but I had uh, his, he's planning to bring his family. Uh, also, uh, Amy, our friend Amy, who we met at some events recently. Uh, is planning to come to the event. She just uh, found a way to get to Joplin. Uh, amazingly enough, she says it's going to take her ten hours by airplanes. You know, I looked at that too, and I thought I can't spend ten hours traveling in planes to do it. And therefore, the reasonable ones that will go to Joplin, I was pricing it out at like eighteen hundred bucks. I was like, I can fly to Asia and back. For wow, eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. So I found semi reasonable rates to get into Springfield. Uh, for the event and then you know head on over from there but for those of you who are road tripping in it's going to be an amazing event we got food family campfires music learning healing homesteading fun always mention the organic pie that usually gets you uh and uh you can link to that and i don't know uh leslie knows if there's more space available to join us there but love to see i know tara gregson and family are planning to be there um yes flora you can drive for cheaper than that i yeah i know Gas is do it cheap, but yeah, eighteen hundred bucks. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Uh, Maho is the uh, Mid American Health Organization. I'm going to be there uh, the weekend of the uh, July, the following weekend, July twenty first through twenty third. The twenty first is a Friday, and I'll be speaking a live uh, lecture event open to the public at Whitaker's Farm Market. We don't have a banner for that yet, but if you can look up Whitaker's Farm Market in uh, Ohio, uh, you can see that event if you'd like to participate in that. Then we have in uh, August the 12th, 13th, the Red Pill Expo with G. Edward Griffin and a whole bot- lot, bunch of other awesome folks. I think Mickey Willis will be there again. Um, that's in mid-August. Then we have the Cancer Control Society's 48th Annual Convention, September 2nd through 6th. That's Labor Day weekend, Glendale, California. That's the Los Angeles area. Then we have the Biomed Expo, 
September 14th through 17th, uh, and that's uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Superdon sent out an email on that, uh, so you can get tickets in advance. That's uh, quite a lineup there. And for those of you like Superdon who are really into UFOs, there's a simultaneous uh, UFO-type co conference I gotta look that up because you you keep bringing it up. I gotta I gotta look that up. So that's in yeah. Las Vegas and it's UFOs and it's at the same time as the same time, same place. Yeah. All right. So and uh, my buddy Bobri Oren will be there and the Polium uh, PX uh, Tracy Slepsevic will be there. It looks like Phil Wilson and the uh, the relaxed saunas, which I now you can see over my left hand shoulder. That's the the higher end version. It's not that much more, but uh, it's a black. You it's can see a black sauna. Right, a lot of them are, are are silver reflective. It's it's reflective on the inside, um, but that's the one they charge a little more for the black one. Why is it? I don't know exactly. Yeah. I don't okay. know, uh, but the uh, hundred dollars off you can get by entering the code RSB. Yep. Uh, at at relaxsaunas.com. Also, we have uh, for the first time uh, in ten years uh, the Healing Strong event in Houston, and that's. Uh, see the date on that looks like september 29th and 30th uh just following not too long after the uh, las vegas event and then we have a uh, couple of options for you if you're a healthcare provider you want to go to pittsburgh for the professional training event august 6th through 8 i'm sorry october 6th through 8 with jamie dorley and the gang that's going to be amazing and there's also the eighth annual your health freedom gala and symposium my friend Kristen chevrier is putting that on we've got dr pierre corey merrill nass uh, Jancy Lindsay, she's an amazing toxicologist and more, uh, there, that's going to be the same weekend. That's in uh, Salt Lake area of Utah. Then we have the big one, the health freedom expo mid October, the 14th, 15th, just prior to that is the Trinity live event. But if you go to Trinity health freedom expo.com, in fact, I think it's today or tomorrow, there's an expiration. If you can get like, if you want to exhibit, you get a hundred bucks off your booth. Uh, so do reach out to Trinity health freedom expo.com right away. Today is Thursday. It likely will be expiring on, on the 30th of June for those of you listening live on the 29th. So take advantage of that. Then we have a big event in Phoenix, Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, and this is the Wellness Parenting Revolution Summit. And uh, that's our friends, Drs. Teresa and Stu Warner. And uh, there's a lot of good friends that will be reuniting there in Scottsdale, Arizona, November 3rd, 4th, and 5th. We'll have more uh, added. So please stay in touch and sign up for the newsletter at robertscottbell.com so that you're always in the know. And if you want to be further in the know or in the yes, you can say yes to become a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show. And once a month, we do the Zoom AMAs, which are a great couple hours. We spend uh, chatting back and forth, answering and asking questions and giving stuff away from sponsors. You end up getting more than you support us with. And I'm happy that we can do that. Uh, July 1st, the Saturday, which is considered our June event because we couldn't put it together in June. And we'll do another one later in July as well. Uh, we haven't set the date for that. So any other announcements, uh, Super D, as we've gone through a few things that I hadn't had a chance to do yet? Uh, I think that's it. Oh, somebody was asking about the rescheduling of the Advanced Medicine Conference. Yeah. And that is a good question. Uh, let's see. Where is it? I'm looking. I'm scrolling down uh, to find Kevin Kraft. There it is. It looks like we don't have a banner on this yet, Super Don, if we can find one, uh, but the uh, advanced medicine seminar, webinar, no, it's on. It's not online. It's, it's in person. So it looks like the weekend of the 22nd of September. Does that conflict with anything? I hope not. I'm seeing, I'm looking, September, September. Nope, nope. 
Yeah, it's right in between the uh, Biomed Expo and the uh, um, the Healing Strong event. All right, perfect. I'll so that, that I'll one's gonna get a banner and I'll put it up there. Yeah, that one's gonna be in St. Louis. So I'm planning, obviously, Diane to uh, be there for that. I've got to talk to uh, 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 Kevin Kraft, who's helping that to happen. So it's gonna be a very busy September and October, no doubt. Uh, it's going to be one of those things where I'm enjoying my time at home as long as I can, uh, while I can. But I hope to see you all at any or all of those events. And um, your support is greatly appreciated. Even if you can't attend, please share it. If we have discount codes, we'll, we'll let you know about them as well and uh, be part of the great uh, events supporting your health, freedom, and healing liberty. Uh, let's see. What else we got uh, here? Um, let's see. I'm just looking to tell you there. You know what? There's another thing uh, I wanted to address was the uh, counterpoint, if you will, in the mainstream media when they're attacking Bobby Kennedy and not letting him speak or, or not putting things into context, like Rolling Stone, which used to be an art, uh, a, a magazine about rock and roll and music. Right. Yeah, that's what I thought. Apparently, they're very left-leaning uh, politically, and they are trashing uh, Bobby Kennedy. Headline reads, RFK Jr. claims vaccine research likely responsible for HIV and the Spanish flu. Now, out of context, um, if you just read that and you have no knowledge of anything, you're like, oh, well, that's you know crazy kooky. He probably believes in Bigfoot too. But if you go into the depth of which Bobby Kennedy does, and if you allow him to speak about these things, he doesn't shy away from these controversial subjects or questions, and he'll layer it out and exactly explain why these things are linked, much like you saw in the interview that Superdon played those clips clips for today. So once you start saying you can't dismiss him so easily, I think even these Rolling Stone articles are going to, uh, well, fall flat, except for those hardcore leftist, Marxist, communist, globalists that don't want to hear anything but world domination through government growth. Uh, so uh, just acknowledging that even though we have a nice uh, interview like that occurring, there's a lot of the legacy press that are doing what they did to Ron Paul in many ways to dismiss them outright. He's a crank. He's a kook. He's a nut job. He's a conspiracy theorist, anti-vaxxer. Uh, but I don't think as, as the more Bobby Kennedy is heard from, the more it's, it's going to be difficult to make any of those labels uh, stick super D, you know, and that's a, that's a change. That's a bit of a sea change since years past in terms of uh, perception, public perception. No, uh, no, it's true. And fortunately, the, the new media uh, is in a far stronger position to be able to get his information out versus how it's been, year, you know, how it was years ago. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, there's studies that have been done that shows that people are trusting and getting their news more from, from Internet influencers than they are from the legacy media, yeah. which has got to be scary for the legacy media. You know, to have that type of competition this is the reason why they're trying really hard to try and regulate everything on the internet and get a handle on it. But so far, they haven't been able to do that. Right. And, you know, the, the other epithets that they would say, he's a flat earther. Or, right. You know, just these things. Don't no miss the flat earthers. earthers. I know we have some that listen. We do. Um, oh, by the way, did anybody answer the question about the power of the sun in the flat earth theory? Like, what are they plugging the sun into? What's the source of that? Aliens. Is it nuclear? I don't know. Nuclear. I've seen some really bizarre stuff about that where they 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 um, they say that it's like a, a thing that's been built by somebody that you know just goes across the kind of power and heat and light source and energy source. Right? Okay. Uh, 
curious. Anyway, let's let's hit an oldie but a goodie here. I was, you know, one of the first out of the gate in 1999 when I started the show. We talked about uh, artificial sweeteners, in particular one, in particular aspartame, aka NutraSweet, aka Amino Sweet. Now, Nutra Poison, I like to call it. Uh, Betty Martini had uh, uh, founded in the 1990s Mission Possible, all about uh, raising awareness on the dangers of aspartame, how it was toxic and poisonous, and and there was there was a documentary reality. thing that you were in too called Sweet Remedy, I think. We, well, there was a re- yeah, it was one called Sweet Misery, and then a Misery? called Sweet uh, Remedy. Yeah, and yeah. you were in that. Yes, yeah, and we we talked about homeopathically how to address it as well. Uh, and and so for how many decades has the FDA insisted that the uh, the aspartame, which was you know as far as a, ke- a chemical agent, it was on a list of potential chemical warfare agents at the Pentagon prior to it being approved as a sweetener. Cause you know, I often find out, Ooh, wow. Somebody actually tasted this. I want to know who was the guy that tasted it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what are we access like, like, Oh, that's sweet. Maybe we can repackage this and get the FDA to approve it. And that was when, uh, I was that guy that you can never remember lizard guy. Right. Uh, he was, uh, back in the, in the seventies. I think he had everything to do with a lot of bad stuff there. Uh, even with Nixon and moving forward. Uh, Gene Searle, S-E-A-R-L-E-E was with at the time, and he uh, insisted uh, he had influence with Reagan at one point, too. Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld, Donald Rumsfeld, Rumsfeld. yeah. That's that piece of work. He had a lizard brain, lizard man. Anyway, he he played a role in getting aspartame approved as well. Um, Now, uh, there's a tweet I sent you. Did you see that? Yeah, except you didn't put the period at the end of the sentence on that story. Oh, well, I was about to. The reason why you brought it up is... I wanted to show this tweet because that kind of gives you a little bit of money shot from our friend Michael Bolden. Uh, did you see that? I sent it to you in, in Skype. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, if you can open that up oh. for us, that would be great. And uh, this explains where we were planning to go today, and Michael Bolden brought it up and had a comment on it. He says, approved by FDA in 1974, and today on the FDA website, scientific evidence has continued to support the FDA's determination that aspartame is safe for this for the general population when used under the approved conditions of use. And that's the agency we're supposed to trust on vaccines. Again, Michael Bolden well put into context. And then there's another um, tweet. I think it's from WION. I don't know if that that's- one, That one I don't have. Yeah, we don't know, but we have the article about this very subject. Uh, if we can bring that up right now, headline at The Guardian, aspartame sweetener to be, to be declared possible cancer risk by the World Health Organization. Yay. Yeah. Now, I'm not a fan of either the FDA or the WHO, but just like Super Don says about CNN, it's not like you can dismiss every article as complete bunk. There's got to be plausible deniability. Occasionally, they get something sort of right. Uh, but our Fear and Death Administration is not interested in protecting the public from dangerous, harmful food substances or, or additives and ingredients, including sweeteners. And they fought tooth and nail against stevia. And I know some people don't like stevia and say it's not good. I've been utilizing it. Stevia won't give you cancer. Right. It, uh, it's uh, in an organic sense, not adding garbage to it, but that plant stevia is amazing. But suffice it to say, uh, aspartame is now acknowledged as a potential risk uh, for cancer by the WHO. What what will our, our, CD, our FDA do? And will we be banned for disagreeing with the FDA, which we had to do, and now have to agree at least a little bit with the WHO? Will our fans dismiss us now too? 
Uh, here's what I want to know. If uh, somebody comes out on Facebook and uh, disagrees with the WHO on aspartame being a possible cancer risk, will they get banned from Facebook? Because that's what happened. Or, you know, it's happened to yeah. a lot of people or, or, or YouTube, right? Yep. What did we keep getting dinged on YouTube? What did they keep say, sending those notifications? Or what did they say? They, yeah, you can't, you can't put that kind of information out there that disagrees with the World Health Organization. Correct. So- if anybody still has a YouTube channel, I want you to experiment, if you're willing to risk your channel, to come out in opposition to the WHO's position on aspartame. Say, I don't believe, I disagree with the WHO, I don't believe aspartame is a risk for cancer, I believe the FDA, which says it's not, it's safe. And see what happens. See if you get dinged or uh, your channel is deplatformed. For some reason, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think so. Because it was an agenda not related to aspartame, but... Uh, COVID injections and nothing less than that. Nothing else really. Right. So we've achieved uh, our couple of hours of broadcast healing here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. I want to thank Jonathan Nemort. Again, for those of you listening or watching live, sorry about the lack of uh, 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 the gravitas of the RE20 microphone today. I've got to figure out what's gone wrong with my mixing board. But Supernon says, if you're listening on podcasts, it, chances are you're not going to notice a difference because of artificial intelligence altering my voice to sound like it's coming through an RE20 anyway. AI, it's pretty cool, man. Pretty wild. But other than that, we got through the show okay? Yes, sir. I think the video clips worked today. Uh, the ones in the middle did. I think the uh, other ones might have had a bit, had a little bit of glitchiness, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. Computers suck. What are you asking about, Susie? What about the evil ingredient in stevia are you talking about something they use as an additive or a buffer or something because yeah there are certain forms of stevia that i won't use they mix it with things that i won't do but look i've grown stevia plants i've chewed on the leaves and they are incredibly sweet and, and but some people just don't like the aftertaste of stevia for some reason so it's not my favorite but yeah i can get used to it yeah, yeah. i can get used to it. but yeah as with anything there are forms of things that are normally good that can be made bad by processing and doing other things. So, uh, again, I don't know definitively what you're referring to there, but I'm open to discussion on all of this. So we got a bonus round coming up. I don't have an agenda, Super Don, to the bonus round, but I will say once again, thank you to Bob Bree Oren and the Folium products that he has. It's really helping people break through to the other side when they've hit a plateau in their recovery in dealing with things that need massive antioxidant support from botanical sources. The blend is quite extraordinary. I call it a Chernobyl-level antioxidant. And I would encourage you to check it out. Go to foliumpx.com. They got folium immuno, folium relax as well. And uh, RSB10 is the 10% discount you get when you pick that up and put it to the test. And you will see it's quite extraordinary. And uh, we'll be talking more about that on, I think our Sunday conversations are going to be with Judy Mikovits. Dr. Judy Mikovits Real. for our Sunday conversation. Yeah, check the calendar. I'm going to be recording with her tomorrow. All right. Yeah. So thanks for being here, y'all. Thanks for sharing the show. Remember the AMA on Saturday. we got another live broadcast tomorrow, God willing, less than 22 hours from now. In the meantime, if you want to join us for bonus round, anything goes. Bonus round coming up next because the power to heal is yours. All right. Mom says I sound fine. So her delicate ears are okay. Yeah. But 
All right. As long as you can hear the words coming out of my mouth and understand them, that's yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. You just it it doesn't sound like you're on a studio microphone, which is to be expected under the circumstances. So, like I said, I will explore the. It'll take a little extra work putting the podcast together because I'll have to do it a different way. But uh, I should be able to repair the. Yeah, and I've got to figure out my backup plan. I got to remember where I bought this Roadcaster Pro from. You got yours through Jonathan Emore donated it to you, and yours works fine. Mine was working fine, but now I can't turn it on, uh, so it's weird. And I, I don't think it's a you still have, You still have the original packaging and the yeah paperwork and stuff. So, well, I'm looking at the packaging. I don't know where the paperwork is. We probably filed it, so I have to find out if it's still under warranty. I think you found a deal on it somewhere. I can't remember where it was though. It was. Yeah. One of those places you get electronics from. Right. So anyway, that's one of my homework assignments in the digital all sweet water or sweet water might have been sweet water. Yeah. I know you like Tiger Direct too. Yeah, I haven't done that in a while, but yeah, I think it was sweet water. I think that's my memory of it. Was it possible you did it on Amazon? No, you did your uh we got John one I got was was through Amazon. So. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it a quick Want a quick search here to see. Marge says, "See you tomorrow." Kate's on. Boy, she sure likes that Kate Daly. Well, I'd like to connect with Kate Daly. Sounds like a really cool uh, uh, show. Oh, I've listened to her before. She is good. She has a good show. Was it? Is it uh, uh, an alliance in, in belief or something about it that uh, Marge likes uh, Kate so much for? Or yeah, I don't know. Does she do a health show or is it more just political? It's more of a, I think it's more, well, actually, I don't, I don't know. I haven't listened to her enough to really get a full grasp on it, but. Yeah. Okay. Michael says, Road has awesome customer service. So I'll need to yeah, contact them, the, probably the manufacturer directly, but I'll just have to find out where, who I bought it through so I can give them that information. Right. Because I said, no matter what I'm doing, I can't turn the thing on right now. And it's plugged yeah. in. I tested all of that. So I don't know what happened. I would I would pull it out, pull everything out, just just because I just check everything. Um, I would then walk it over to another outlet, plug it in, and see if you can turn it on. Sure. And if that doesn't work, then, you know, the uh, the power source on these things, it's a, uh, a C-type um, connector. Like yeah. the ones that most people have for connect to charge their phones now, yeah. except for those weird people that have iPhones. Right. It's the C type. Uh, no, I, I think it's the, uh, I think it's the switch, the thing you have to push in to turn. Yeah, it you're probably right. Responding. Yeah, you're probably right. It is a weird switch. I noticed that. That I wish it were just a, a, like an on off. Yeah, like click. You know, it's on or something, right? Yeah. It is a weird, like round thing that kind of pushes in, but you can't tell if you've pushed it in hard enough or not and stuff. So I have no okay, idea. So I, I will find that receipt. I'm sure I have it, and I'll let okay. them know, and we'll find out, and uh, I'll see if I can get a, a backup microphone in here by tomorrow, just in case. I don't yeah, well, you need if you can find your old stuff, which I know you, it was the, uh, the Scarlet and, and stuff yeah. that you had was kind of a pain in the butt once in a while. Yeah, it wasn't great either. That's why we moved to this, which has been great overall, but uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Okay. All right. So Leslie says there's a few more tickets left. Uh, if you go to the Eventbrite tab, uh, you can click through. Super Don, you have that. That's uh, on the upcoming events page. Yeah. 
And um, Leslie, I got to talk to you because I had to figure out where I'm staying. Um, you know, if we get an Airbnb or, or if there's a motel hell, I don't know what's down there in Joplin. Um, but let me know where it's a tent. Uh, but I got to coordinate that. I you going to rough it? You going to sleep on the ground? If there's enough cushion between me and the ground, I've done it. It's not my favorite thing. I mean, some people no. are really outdoorsy and campers. Uh, my son was out. He, he slept in a tent all eight days of the, uh, the pork fest. I think he had like an elevator. Yourself on a hammock. Damn it. I don't even know if I'd do well in a hammock. Yeah? No? All right. No, I'm not going to sleep with the goats. So no. that's not happening. All right. Too good for goats. What are VRBOs? That's vacation rentals. With body odor? No, I forget what it is. Vacation rental something, something. I've, I've, I'm familiar with them. Okay. Yeah, it's it's kind of like Airbnb type thing where you just, you, you people rent their their houses or their condos or something out for like, okay. in fact, I think I may be using them for my next. Uh, oh, I owner. Bye. Thank you. Lori for clearing that out. And Carrie cleared that up. I was like, VOs. I don't know. It doesn't sound very good, <laughs> but by <laughs> owner. Okay. I get that. No problem. I don't, see, I don't know all of the acronyms. <laughs> all right. So, uh, let's, Take a look real quick at what we got going on tomorrow. Because I know we've got, got uh, I think we've got guests in both hours tomorrow. I think so. Yeah. We've missed Kevin this week. Well, Kevin booked our guest for tomorrow, I believe. Yeah, well, I know this week, though, for the first time in a long time, we had a couple of, we had shows where we had no guests. Well, what right? do you think? Were they okay? Or did you guys? Yeah, I think so. It's just odd. We used to do that all the time. Right? That was our normal thing, and we'd have guests occasionally. Right. Uh, so I liked it. Sometimes I need to let loose, too, you know? Yeah. We have, <clears throat> let me get this right, Hava Levi. Mark. Hava Levi. Or Levi. Dang it. See, I still got it wrong. Levi's, man. That's what it's American. Levi's, yeah. how I say that. All right. So Hava Practice your Hebrew. Levi. Levy, excuse me, in hour one, and then Ashley Everly, hour two. Yeah. What's up with Kava Lee Levy? We've had her on. You don't remember? I think so. I recognize she's a, the name. She's a terrific herbalist, a great healer. She was with me on stage on the uh, uh, Next Steps conference in Atlanta. We had a great right. time connecting. She's oh. wonderful. She, talking her, she's out. Herbalism tomorrow? Yeah. A little bit of herbalism. All right. We didn't get to that herb the the herbs story the other day. Maybe we should add that the mix for tomorrow with. Well, maybe so, right? Herbs for for uh, well being. Yeah, I think it was for like nerves and stuff. Yeah, like like you could have used today when your microphone wasn't working. Right. Yeah, I had to just roll with it, baby. Then our AMA on Saturday. This is. That's what we got coming up. Can't believe the week's almost over already. A month, too. That's true. I know we're going to be in July. July 4th coming up. You excited? I mean, that's a big day in the in the Bell household. It is. There's, There's a lot going on. Birthdays and birthday anniversaries. Uh, happy birthday, America. All kinds of stuff going on. 
All right. What else? All right. It's up to you guys. Any questions or comments before we wrap up the, uh, I told you I had no agenda in the bonus round today. I've got to find my backup uh, uh, Scarlet uh, interface and see if I can get that uh, activated before tomorrow's show uh, because I've got to do some recording in the morning with Judy Mikovits. By the way, uh, Bobbery helped me to connect uh, uh, Judy because Judy does like the Folium PX. If those of you need a stamp of approval from someone smarter than me, Judy Mikovits, she likes the, uh, the formula, the Folium PX. It's a food. It's a botanical plant. As she says about Cardio Miracle, it's not a supplement. She tells that to John Hewlett. It's not a supplement. It's a food. That's why it's so amazing. So, James turns 50 on July 5th, Leslie says. Wow. One day after the 4th. Happy birthday in advance, James. Half a century. Welcome to the party, pal. So, Ted, how old? How old did you say? James, uh, Leslie's husband turns 50. 50. I feel old. Yeah. Of course, you're older than me, so. All right. Well, that's all I've got. All right. She's cutting car farm passes and name tags for the event. All she's working the de- Leslie's working hard on the details. And uh, I, I'll probably have to disturb her by phone just to chat about stuff. But. I'm really glad things are really ramping up for this thing. Just like anything, in the last minute, some people go, well, I wasn't sure. Okay, now I want to go. Uh, so there's people coming in from all over for this, and it's going to be a wonderful weekend. So look forward to seeing you there. And look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow on the air. And remember, Sunday, we'll have uh, Dr. Professor Judy Michaelis on uh, the Robert Scott Bell Show for Sunday Conversations. Super Don, is it okay to go over? Fi- I know my, my record time is... You targeted me 56 minutes, but can I do a bonus round as well for Sunday show if I need to go further? Uh, if it's over an hour, then it complicates things a little bit for me as far as scheduling it for the broadcast. Okay. Um, because of what do I, do I stop the recording and start another one? Is that, is that better? You could, but I wouldn't be able to be able to have it air at the same time. We'd have to use that bonus segment separately somehow. Oh, man, I'm trying to figure out how to do well, this. And let me tell you, let me tell you, yeah. um, I, I'm I'm kind of leaning at this point towards checking out. There's a, another service similar to Restream, which we use now, mm-hmm. called StreamYard. And it basically does the same thing. Yeah, I've been on StreamYard, people that have StreamYard. It's, it's, it's similar as far as what it does. Uh, the one difference, and I'll have to double check on this, uh, I think the price is the same too, but I think it allows us to do two hours instead of one on the pre-record right. type deal. Well, you know what? Maybe you, when you're talking with customer service on Restream, say, "Hey, this might be a deal breaker if you want us to continue." And you know, I'm not even going to play the game. I, I, yeah, I can create uh, Streamyard. It allows you to have a free uh, account. Okay. It's limited, a free one that I can use to test out. Okay. And so I think I'm just going to go for it. Um, because I, I've worked with the customer service and they're, they're very helpful. Okay. It's not that they 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 stink as customer service. It's just they don't seem to fix the problem. Gotcha. Um, and at this point, it's very frustrating for somebody that's been been doing this for you know a while. Yeah. You know, when you have train wrecks happening on your show, it's it's just yeah, that's not okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and if I'm going to be reliant on a service to have everything go smoothly for a nice broadcast. 
and it's just not happening, then I need to do something quickly to remedy yeah. that because nobody wants to watch a train wreck. Right. Well, actually, a lot, some people like to watch some a train wreck, right. but not, not for the reasons that we want right. to watch it. Hey, sending you thoughts and prayers there, uh, Lori. Sending you love. Her father-in-law is starting hospice today. So, uh, Lori, again, our first prayers go out to you and your family when those things happen. Uh, and thanks for letting us know so we can send, send those good thoughts and vibes your way. All right. Well, have a good day, guys. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow.